Good morning, everyone. Happy Easter. My, my prayer for you this morning that whatever you have come into this place with, and maybe you're going through some deep struggles, maybe you have a lot of burdens in your life, I want you to know that there's hope today, that we peer into the empty tomb. We know that death has been conquered, that for those of us who put our hope in Christ and his resurrection, there is nothing in this earth that can hold us down. There's no trial. There's no burden that our hope is in a risen Savior. And for all those who put their hope in him, we have a secure future with him. And, and my prayer for you is that you will leave this place with a new sense of hope, a new sense of direction, and a new sense of purpose for your life. Amen? Let's pray. That was a sermon within a sermon. I could look, no. Um, there's, a, there's a certain movie that um, I really like, and I've, I've probably seen this movie way too many times for my own good. But I love this one movie because it's a very um, theological movie. There's a lot of theology in this movie. There's, there's a lot of theological points that we can um, pull from this movie. Let me show you what that movie is up on the screens here. Yeah, it's Willy Wonka. I mean, let me just be honest. Some of you are like, Pastor, was your orange juice expired this morning? No, it wasn't. Okay. Um, this movie came out in 1971, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. And the movie ends with these words. And uh, Wonka is, is talking to Charlie, who got the golden ticket and who won the prize. And he says this to Charlie, Charlie, don't forget what happens to the man who suddenly got everything he always wanted. And then Charlie asks, what happened? And a smiling Wonka reveals, he lived happily ever after. Now, for those of us who put our hope in Christ, that's exactly what happens. We live happily ever after with Christ our Savior. Now, what's interesting about the movie is that we understand that, that Charlie eventually will take over the chocolate factory, and it's going to change his poor family's fortune and the rest of their lives. And, you know, uh, Charlie's family is very, very poor, and, you know, his two sets of grandparents all share the same bed together because they just don't have enough. If you remember that part of the movie, I always crack up when I see that. And, um, and, and they, he doesn't have anything. He has absolutely nothing. Now, at the end of the movie... Um, he gets this ride in the, gla- in the great glass Wonkavator. And uh, he crashes through the glass ceiling of the factory and he goes up in the air and he's looking down over his city, over his town, and he sees his house and how wonderful it is. Well, at this point of the movie, Charlie doesn't know what his ultimate inheritance is. All he knows is he got this ride in this really cool Wonkavator and he gets a lifetime supply of chocolate. That, that, and he's like, this is good. This is, this is all he's thinking about. And, but he doesn't know the future. He doesn't know what his final inheritance is. He thinks this is great, but this is just the beginning. Now, if we remember the movie, at the end of the movie, Charlie comes to Wonka and Wonka says, you can leave now without anything. And of course, him and, and Grandpa Joe are wondering what's going on. And then Grandpa Joe and Willy Wonka get in this big fight and they punch each other out. Remember that part of the movie? Remember? No, I'm just teasing. So they're, they're arguing and, and, and Wonka reveals them why they don't get anything. And it's the reasons because they drank this lifting drink and it lifted them up and they touched the walls. And he says, if, you know, I told you not to do that. Because of that, uh, you can leave. So at the very end of the movie, 
Charlie walks up and he goes to Willy Wonka and he drops something at his desk. If you remember, it was the everlasting gobstopper. Now, if you remember that point in the story, there's this guy named Slugworth who was secretly going behind the scenes to try to grab the five golden ticket winners and say, the one thing I want you to do, he's my enemy, and I want you to get the everlasting gobstopper. And if you do, it'll change your future. Now, for Charlie, he has nothing. their, Their family is destitute, they're poor, and this gobstopper giving it to Slugworth could change his future. So at the end of the movie, Charlie gets nothing but out of remorse and mercy and grace. In his heart, he gives back the everlasting gobstopper. And it's at that point, Willy Wonka says, I knew it, I knew it. And that's where he gets his final inheritance. And what's interesting about the movie is that Charlie thinks that his inheritance is just a bunch of chocolate and a ride in the Wonka Vader. What he doesn't realize is that that is just the beginning for him and his family. I want you to realize, it's the same for our lives. We are spiritually poor and destitute, and we bring nothing to the table. And God sends his son into the filth of our world to show us the way back to God, to deal with our greatest issue, and that's our sin issue. And not only that, to purchase our lives back, to cover our sins, he gives us this ability to have a right relationship with the holy God. And on top of that, he gives us this inheritance of eternal life. I like what Paul says to the church in Corinth. He says the reason why the resurrection is so important and so powerful, it's called a first fruit. It's just the beginning. It's just the beginning of what we will have for those who put their hope in Christ Jesus. The resurrection is just the beginning of what God has in store for those who trust in him. The resurrection is the first installment or what the Bible calls a first fruit of what is to come. Now, for you and I that put our hope in Christ Jesus, even though we walk in this world, and this world can be difficult, and at times we can feel hopeless and lost, the point of the resurrection is to give us this eternal hope that no matter what happens in this world, we have a future that is secure in Christ Jesus. Listen to what Paul says to the church in Corinth. He says, But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep or those who have died. Jesus is our hope. We too will be raised forever, just as Jesus was raised from the grave. The empty tomb is our hope. Now, for all of you that live in Wayne County, you're going to love this because we're a fruit-producing county, right? We, we love fruit. We love apples, one of the biggest in the country. This term, first fruit, is really interesting. The, the ESV study notes bring this out. And I want you to understand what it means that the resurrection is a first fruit of what is to come. The term first fruits refers to the first sample of an agricultural crop that indicates the, the nature and the quality of the rest of the crop. Therefore, Christ's resurrection, his resurrection body, gives us a foretaste of what those believers will be like in the future. Looking to what Jesus did for us in the resurrection is a foretaste of what it's going to be like for you and I. The resurrection changes everything for you and I. 
It changes our whole future. It changes the way we live our lives now because we have a hope that this world cannot take away. It all starts with coming to Christ and trusting him. The key to your future is your trust in Christ and believing that he and he alone is the son of God, that that he is the one that holds your future. You see, Wonka was the only one who could give Charlie an inheritance. He was the only one who could do that. And Charlie was given an inheritance because of his remorse and humility. And it unlocked his future. Through our humility and understanding that none of us deserve it or merit it, thank God for that. Can you imagine if we had to stand before God one day and say, okay, Barton, let's, uh, let's look at your records. Okay, let's see if your good works outweigh your bad works. That would be a pretty nerve-wracking day, wouldn't it? Because we'd all be sweating like, did, did I make it? Did I go to church enough? You know, uh, you know, God, I did go to Easter service at Living Word. 2023, is that good enough? You know what the Lord's going to say? Survey says, eh, it's not good. It's never good enough in comparison to a perfect God. But Jesus comes to do the work for you and I. And not only that, but then gives us an inheritance with him forever that we will never, ever be separated from God. John, the apostle, is, is he, he's persecuted and he's exiled to the island of Patmos. And while he's there, he gets a vision from God and he writes down this vision in the book of Revelation. Now, for those of you, if you want to read through the Bible, don't start with the book of Revelation because you'll just be confused and then you'll call me and I won't have any answers for you, so just don't call me. It's just, it's a hard book to understand. But the purpose of the book of Revelation is this, is not only shows what the end times are going to be like, and I know we all get hyped up, what's the end times? How's this? We all get crazy. But the purpose of the book of Revelation is to encourage us in our living now and not to lose hope. And what John is given, John is given this glimpse of what heaven is going to be like and what God is going to do. The resurrection shows us that God makes all things new. What we see now in our life is we are getting older, aren't we? Are we getting younger? My knees, I got an LCL sprain on the outside of my knee. I'm I'm not feeling it at 56. It's going to be 57 this week. Lord, help me. Anyways, right? We feel it as we get older. What the resurrection shows us is that God's going to make all things new. And so as we live in this world, we know that the effects of sin are upon us because we will all die one day. But God says that's not the end. For those that put your hope in my son, I will make all things new. That which was corrupted will take on incorruption. That which was perishable will take on something that's imperishable and will live forever with God. That's the hope in the resurrection. So let's see what John says here. This is such a great glimpse, and I hope it gives you hope today. John says in in the end of Revelation, this is how it ends, and let's just say it ends well. It ends good. It says, when I saw, he goes, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. And I saw a holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them, and, he, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. And listen to what he does. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or mourning, or crying, or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. 
everything you've had to endure, all the sicknesses will no longer be in that new heaven and new earth. He was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. It is done. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the spring of water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this. And I will be their God, and they will be my children. Amen to God's word. Listen to the hope here. Listen to the hope here. See, the resurrection shows us that God will restore all things. The new heavens and the new earth are the result of the resurrection. John wrote these words to encourage us and give us a living hope of what is to come. So for those that are being persecuted, for those uh, who, who are just going through it because of life and, and, and the difficult things of living here on earth, he's saying God is doing this for a reason. And he'll be with you. And he's not going to leave you. He's not going to forsake you. But ultimately our hope is in him that God is going to make everything right. And the, and the resurrection, what it does is it guarantees that we will live forever and that God will take all things and make them new again. Death does not have its final say. And that's the proof in the resurrection. Jesus is our champion who defeated death on our behalf. And what does God say? Put your faith in my son. Now, listen, I'm not, I'm not a betting man because I'm too cheap, but I'm not a betting man. But, but if I were going to put all my chips in, right, I'm going to put them on the one who conquered death. I'm not going to put my hope in hearsay or this person or what they think is going to happen. I'm going to put everything in on the one who conquered sin and death for me. That's where my hope is. You see, this is what I appreciate, you know, I, what I love about the resurrection, how God makes all things new. This gives us hope for the trials that we face here on earth. I, I, I appreciate those that, people who restore stuff um, to the average person, they may see something as junk or rusty with, with no use. And, uh, but to a collector, uh, they will see the potential of bringing this particular thing back to life. And many classic cars are found in barns, you know, the barn find or found in a field. And to a collector, they look beyond the rough condition to what it can become. And I was actually watching a restoration show, uh, and they were in Midland, Texas. And as they were in Midland, Texas, they were looking at all these different lots and junkyards and so on and so forth. And the restorer found an old Ford station wagon that was just wasting away. And it kind of caught my eye because I remember my parents had a station wagon when I grew up. Now, these were the safest cars in the world, these station wagons. No seatbelts. Um, they had the seat in the back that faced this way. Your, your parents are going that way. And you're like 10 minutes in the car, like, Mom, I'm getting car sick, right? And, um, you know, they were just safe. They were just so, you'd, you'd climb. How many remember those days? You just climbed all over the car. And you, remember the big front seat? You know, you can sit like eight kids in the front seat. One person's on dad's lap. You got three of the kids in the middle. And you got mom over there. No seatbelts. No, just, you know, it was just so safe and so secure. And um, But so it kind of caught my attention. And the guy's looking at this thing. And I'm like, how are they going to restore this piece of junk? There was a family of raccoons living in the thing. And all the interior was ripped out. And what interests me, the guy kept going back to the car. And he'd rub it. He'd rub it. And he'd look at it. And he'd walk away a little bit. And the one guy was with him going, ah, 
you know, he's looking at going, I don't know, I don't know. And they'd walk away and he goes, let's look around. And then they'd come back to it again. And he'd rub it a little more. And he'd look at it. And he'd rub it a little more and he goes, and this is exactly what he said. He says, this car doesn't want to die. This car doesn't want to die. So what did they do? They restored it. And they showed at the end of the show this beautiful station wagon with no seatbelts and just gorgeous interior. And they completely restored it to a new condition. Now, you may feel beat up. You may feel rusty. You may feel like bad decisions have really hurt your life. You may feel like the things that have done to you, you feel like, am I worthy? God, would you accept me? He does. Because he comes into your life. He says, I'll make all things new. You trust me. Put your hope in me. We're not meant to trust this world. And God can use those things and those pains to show that God does the restoring. Can I just be completely honest with you this morning? I love hearing your stories. I love hearing your stories of how Maybe it was bad decisions you made. Maybe it was something that was done to you. Maybe it was something that was horrible done to you. And you came to Christ, and you saw how Christ renewed you and made you a new person in him and took those things that we would think, how is God going to use this, and turns it around and redeems it and restores it for his glory that you now give praise to God that he made you a new person and a new creation in him and the past no longer holds you down or the things that were done to you no longer holds you down. That's what he does when he comes into your life. It's just a beginning. Listen to me. That's just a beginning. If you're here today and you're a follower of Jesus and you're born again, that's just the seed. That's just the beginning. That's just the first fruit of what we have in store for those that put their hope in him. That's why I love church. Church should be a place where it's vibrant and exciting and we lift our hands and we love coming and we love singing songs to Jesus. Why? Because none of us in this place are perfect. We're all messed up, right? We all have our past. Can I get an amen? Amen. You know, we, we all, none of us in this place are perfect, but because of Christ, who is perfect, has redeemed us. And we can say, I'm not perfect and I have some mess in my past. And I can say, Jesus, you help me to overcome that. And you've forgiven me. And you've helped me to make me the person I am in you today. And I'm going to use that as a testimony of your faithfulness in my life to change me and give me a hope that this world cannot give me. That's what makes the church beautiful. It's a bunch of broken, messed up people. A bunch of rusty Ford station wagons. (laughs) That God says... I'm not done with you. There's still life in there. Listen, you may feel that there's no life in you today. I don't know why I'm saying this now. But God sees life in you. He gave his life for you. Don't give up. Don't give up. He will breathe his life in you. No matter how lost you may feel or how hopeless your situation is, He sees life in you. He gave his life for you. Don't give up. Amen. I don't even know where I am in my notes. I'm sorry. (laughs) I want to speak on just just on 1 Corinthians 15 when, when once again Paul is speaking to the church saying, listen, 
This is what happens for those who put their, their trust in him. And the Apostle Paul tells them that, listen, we're going to be changed. Our bodies are going to be changed. What was mortal will take on immortality. What is perishable will, will raise imperishable. But this is what's so incredible. Why is this so incredible? See, what John does is in Revelation 21, it gives us a glimpse of what will be. And it encourages us now. Don't despair. So why did the early church endure such great persecution? And here's the reason why. Here's the reason why. Because they had a living hope in what would be, not what was. See, where we walk in despair and hopelessness is when we look at our situations now. And if we're not careful, that can put us into a deep, dark hole, right? And the reason that that God encouraged John to write these words was to encourage a persecuted church not to give up, that their hope wasn't in this world, to look to the empty tomb, that the resurrection is the thing that gives us hope. It gives us the fortitude to endure, not only to endure, but to thrive. And the hope John gives us is that God will make all things right. Not only does he make things new, but he makes things right. Have you ever felt gypped? Right? Have you ever felt jilted? Have you ever felt like justice didn't occur in your situation? Somebody didn't hear you the right way or, or they just misunderstood you and you just felt misunderstood. And I'm going to put this in quotations. Have you ever enjoyed someone getting what they deserved? Okay, you, stop being so high and pious right now, you church, okay? I, 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 watched, I watched, I don't know if the guy had like a dash cam on his car, but I watched this video. I don't know why the guy was so mad, but he was crossing the street and he was at a light and the guy in the car is watching this guy and the guy is just mad at this guy. He's yelling at him, cussing him out and just, and he keeps pointing at him and all of a sudden this guy walks right into a pole and then he falls down, right? And you know what the guy's thinking. He's thinking, yeah, you reap what you sow, right? And the guy gets up from hitting the pole and he still points the finger at him, right? Now, we, we all think, see, you got, you got what's coming or you may think someone that speeds by you, right? And you're like, man, I hope there's a police officer right up there. I hope, I hope they get pulled over, right? We, 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 we think that. But see, I want you to understand something. God will make all things right. Not only new, but he'll make all things right. He sees what's going on. He sees your plight, and he knows what's going on. All the things you went through are well spent and not wasted. And Jesus tells us that he's even making those things new. So whatever you're going through now is not wasted. We might think that our trials are meaningless, but God is using them for our good and for his glory as much as it's hard to understand. And Paul puts it into perspective when he says, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. What he's saying is what you're going through now in comparison to eternity is just, it's a blink of an eye. That's all it is. He says, so what do we do? We fix our eyes. We fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Don't fix your eyes on your situation or what's going on right now. That will lead you into despair. And these are only light and momentary, Paul says, in comparison to what God has in store for those who put their trust in him. The resurrection gives us a future hope and a hope for today. It's not just a hope, but it's a living hope, the Bible says, to help you to endure. Peter says it this way. He says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Exclamation point. I'm so thankful for him, he says. 
In his great mercy, which we didn't deserve or earn or merit, he has given us new birth into a what? Living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. A living hope is an expectant hope of what is to come. So listen, whatever you're going through, whatever trial you're going through, this living hope that's within us is able to help us to endure, to say, God, I know you're doing this for your good and your glory. I don't like it. It doesn't feel good, what what trial does. But I know I have this living hope within me that's greater than my circumstance or the trial that I'm going through now. And I know what you have prepared for me. So I'm allowed to do this with joy and hope, knowing that you're using this for your glory. See, as a follower of Jesus Christ, we must live our lives differently. And I was listening to a a debate between a a couple of scholars, a historian scholar, and they they were debating about the historicity of the of the resurrection or whether or not it was true or not, or could you prove it through history? And the, the, the one is a very popular, you know, he's an atheist and he's very popular in the debate circles. And the, and the other person obviously believed in the resurrection and they're debating back and forth uh, about it. And I got thinking as I was listening to their debate and how the one person was trying to debunk what really happened. You know what I started to think about? I started thinking about the apostles. And I started thinking about why in the world And we hear this through the defense of the resurrection of why in the world would the disciples give up so much if it wasn't true? Why why would they lay their lives down if it weren't true? Now, some people may give their lives for a cause, but they actually gave their lives for a fact that they saw this risen Savior, that he spoke to them, that he called them, And it was through the resurrection in their changed lives that literally and completely changed their world and how Christianity began to spread exponentially throughout that world. What was the reason? Because a good man came or a a nice person or a prophet came? What made them give up everything to follow Jesus and lay their lives down for him? The resurrection. They saw the risen Savior. That's what changes everything. We live with this expectant, living hope that not only are we going to be with Christ one day, but he's going to change everything. He's going to wipe away every tear. There's going to be no more suffering. And I think one of the greatest things about this new heaven and new earth is that you know, for us living in New York, there's going to be no more taxes. Thank you, Jesus, for no more taxes. I just did my taxes. My tax repair gives me, you know, here's my handkerchief. Stop crying. It's okay, Barn. It's, we're going to make it. You're going to get through this, right? He's going to make all things new. So what you're experiencing now is only temporary. It's just momentary. And so my question to you, do you have a living hope today? Maybe you're a follower of Jesus and you just feel immersed because of the things you're going through. And I'm not trying to make light of that at all. But where I would encourage you is where's your hope? Is your hope in a Savior that gave his life for you? I, I, I love the, the section in 
the book of Hebrews where it says we have this cloud of witnesses that have gone before us. And what the Hebrew writer is saying is don't give up. There's all these that have endured and made it and they're, they're in heaven right now. And if they were to say anything to us, they were to say, don't give up. It's awesome here. It's great. Don't give up. And so maybe you've kind of lost your hope and your purpose. Let God use you. Let God use you. When he takes a person's life, he gives us purpose to know that my reason to be here is to glorify Christ and to be his mouthpiece of what God can do in a life and how he can change this messed up person and make me new again. Not that we're perfect, but he can make us new again. That's our hope now, and it gives us this living hope to endure through what we're going through. And maybe you're here, maybe you're watching online, and, and you're like, Pastor, I've, I've never given my life to Christ. I've, I've never put my faith in Christ Jesus. Let me, let me just say this. Listen. This is the best decision you'll ever make in your life. He's done everything for you. You know, I think about the thief that was next to Jesus on the cross. Whatever he did, he was up there. He was a thief. He was whatever. He was whatever he was doing. He was up there. To the world, he wasn't a good person at all. And he's there for a reason. And he looks at Jesus and he puts his faith in Jesus. And he says, you don't deserve to be here. We do, but you don't. And he says, would you remember me? Would you remember me? And Jesus looks at him and says, today you'll be with me in paradise. This thief hanging on the cross had no time to come down and take a membership class, get baptized, go to church, read the Bible. He didn't have time for any of that. What unlocked his future? He put his hope in Christ. Period. He put his faith in Christ. That's what changed him. That's what unlocks your future and your future inheritance. What happens to the person who suddenly gets everything they wanted? They live happily ever after. Listen. What are you trusting today? Don't trust this world. It's going to leave you empty and wanting more. Trust in the one who overcame it for you. And you unlock that through your faith in him. I'm going to pray for you and pray for those that just need God's encouragement. There's a... Pastor Brandon mentioned a prayer card. There's a couple things with this prayer card that I would love for you to do for those of you who feel so led to do this. For those of you that need prayer, like maybe you're a follower of Jesus and you're just like, Pastor, I just need prayer. I'm going through some certain things and I just need people to pray for me to instill that hope once again in my heart. We will do that and we will we will stand with you and we will pray for you. Please fill that out. We have a giving box in the back. You can leave it at your seat or put it in that box. But there's another thing for this prayer card. A prayer card. There's a response and maybe you're here and you say, Pastor, I want to follow Christ. We want to help you with that and we want to pray for you. Anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Jesus is here for you today. He wants you to come. And you fill that out, and we want to help you in your faith journey. There's a, 
there's a, a booklet in the back on the on the um, giving box. It's called What Now? It's free, and we want to give it to you to help you start your walk with Jesus. It helps you to how to start, where to read the Bible. Please don't start in Revelation, okay? Just, you know, start in the Gospels. It shows you where to start reading, how to pray, all those things. We want to help you in your steps, and we want to be praying for you. And if that's you, I want you to fill out this card so we can walk with you and pray for you and help you in your new walk with Christ. Best decision you will ever make in your life. And once again, that doesn't mean your life is going to be potpourri and cotton candy and Willy Wonka chocolate bars, right, the rest of your life. doesn't mean that. But what it does mean is that you will have a hope that you can't get from this world, that you can't get from no amount of money you might have or how well you think you're doing or your health. You can never get that ultimate hope unless it comes from Christ who overcame this world. So I'm going to pray for you. And you just reach out to him and you call upon his name. Amen. Amen. Father God, as we just bow our hearts before you today, I thank you for the hope that we have in Christ, not in ourselves. that he purchased everything for us through his death on the cross. He covers our sin. He covers our waywardness. He covers our past. We thank you for that. But we know that through your resurrection, you give us a secure future hope. It's an initial installment. It's a, it's a first fruit of what is to come. And so, Lord, I pray for those that just are feeling just down today. Maybe life is really beating them up. I thank you for the hope that we have in you. And I pray that you would just instill that joy and that hope that comes from knowing Christ. That even though that same thing may be there tomorrow, but it's different because we have a living hope knowing that you're not going to leave us or forsake us. That our eternity is secure in you when we put our faith and trust in you. And I pray for those maybe for the first time have reached out to you and put their faith in you. I pray, Lord, that your spirit would come into them, that you would change them, that you would transform them, Lord, as we put our faith and our hope in the only person who can give us eternal life, and that's the Son of God who is God, Jesus. So thank you for changing lives today, Lord. I thank you for the church. We are not perfect. We are not a perfect people, but we serve a perfect God. So help us to serve you. Help us to find a joy in serving you as we proclaim your love to a world that so desperately needs to hear this. So we thank you, Lord, for using us. We love you. We thank you. And we just want to be careful to ask these things. In Jesus' wonderful name. In Jesus' wonderful name. And all God's children said, amen. Can we thank Jesus for new life, eternal inheritance. We visit each and every one of us. Amen. Amen.